The Holy Gospel for Christmas is from Luke, chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Fear not, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and on earth, peace to all people on earth. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. My soul proclaims your greatness, O God. Please be seated. Grace to all of you and peace from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Most holy God, on this quiet Christmas Eve, we gather in your holy name and trust your promise that wherever two or three are gathered in your name, you will be there with them. Help us to know, O Lord, that this Christmas celebration is not simply past tense, but present tense, that you are mightily here in our midst. Sometimes we miss your coming, O Lord. Help us have ears to hear and eyes to see. Your presence in inconspicuous, hidden ways, in your holy and most blessed name we pray. Amen. So this week I was listening to one of those oldies stations, lots of old Christmas carols, and one of the carols came up was Bing Crosby. Young people, do you know who that is? Yeah, you know who Bing Crosby is? So he sings a song called I'll Be Home for Christmas. I'll be home for, you know the song? Well, a few years ago, I was curious about that song and I did some research and I found out that it was released in 1943, over 75 years ago, at almost the worst time in World War II. It was released during World War II when everybody was away from home. And there was 
significant homesickness everywhere in the world. Imagine, if you will, that you're at Christmas Eve dinner, World War II, and you're sitting at the table, and there are one or two empty chairs, and they're out somewhere in the world. And you hear the song, I'll be home for Christmas. Your heart aches, and you want things to be restored. Or imagine you're a soldier in northern Europe in some foxhole, and there's a blizzard, and you hear this song. Or you're on a troop ship in the South Pacific. Imagine if you're a refugee fleeing violence and war, and you hear, I'll be home for Christmas. It just pulls at your soul. Bing Crosby sang that song 75 years ago, but I, I have this suspicion, I have this confidence that today we often feel that way too, that we long for a world to be as it should be. We long for our lives to be as they should be. We long for the table to have every chair filled. We long to be home. I think there's something special about coming to Christmas Eve service late at night to sing Silent Night and hold our candles. There's something in us that gravitates to that tradition that wants to be home. This is like home for us. This desire to be home is popular throughout literature. It's in movies, it's in poetry. Think of Scarlett O'Hara in Gone with the Wind. I just want to go home to where? Tara, yeah, the plantation. Or think of Wizard of Oz, Dorothy. There's no place like, yeah, of course. Or E.T., phone. Yeah, okay. I mean, there are shows like that that touch that heartstring. There are also some books that you probably aren't aware of. This is one that really gets at the same thing. It's called Lemon Tree. It's about Palestinians who have lost their land after war in 1948. And their home had a lemon tree that they had planted. And for decades and decades, they wonder what happened to that tree. And it becomes a symbol for them of returning home. There is, again, I suggest to you, a sense of longing to have everything right with the world. And I think homesickness also has deep inside of it something profoundly spiritual. We all long for something to be holy and right and good. We long for family. We long for love. We long for joy. We long for peace. We long for the feeling we get on Christmas Eve when we're singing here together, why can't the rest of the year be like this? A Christian preacher, as I said during the announcements, once said that Christmas Eve is the night when the veil between this world and the next is at its thinnest. The veil is so thin tonight, he said, you could almost see through it. Hence the veil behind me here that we can see through to eternity and the starlights. Christmas Eve is a night we ache for the holy. We ache and we desire that which often isn't apparent in our world.
that we want in our world. For all of us, many of us here, the wrapping's all done, the cards are sent and received, the decorations are up, the food is ready, everything seems to be right Christmas Eve, and Christmas Eve services seem to be so wonderful and holy, and yet, in the recesses of our mind, the chair is still empty. The soldiers at war. The empty chair reminds us of a family conflict yet unresolved. The empty chair reminds us of the death of a loved one, which by the way, in this congregation, there have been seven empty chairs this month. The empty chair reminds us we're a can be lonely in this world. It can be hard. And when the veil is thin and we're so close to perfection, that homesickness, that loneliness is even accentuated. Well, possibly the most important lesson we can learn tonight is to reread that Christmas story and to realize that that was not a very perfect night. They didn't sing Silent Night and hold their candles. Mary and Joseph were far from home. There were no family around for them. Talk about empty chair. They were alone. And the hay probably did not smell sweet. Think about their, home, their homesickness and their loneliness. And for that matter, think about the shepherds. You know, we always picture the shepherds either, you know, in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night, a little campfire, it's nice and warm, everything's perfect. Or we think of um, the children's Christmas program where they're dressed up. You know, shepherds were people who were ostracized by their society. They were kept at arm length from everyone. They were not allowed by the priest to enter the temple compound because their job was not prestigious enough. They were fringe people who weren't included in the rest of society. And here, the Christmas story opens up arms to include them. Imagine the fringe people today who aren't in this room right now, who want to be part of something, to be connected somewhere, somehow, to family, to friends. This Christmas, the miracle of Christmas, I think, is the fact that God comes not just on a perfect Christmas Eve worship service, that God comes when the chair is empty. That's the lesson here, that God comes when things are not perfect. God comes when we're hurting. God comes when we're far from home. Even though we, always want, we all want to get to home, it's like God comes to us in our yearning. So instead of dwelling on our homesickness, what we don't have. Christmas Eve helps us understand and relax and embrace what we do have. The miracle is that Christ is born again tonight, not on the front parlor, the front porch of our house, but maybe in the back of the garage where we barely notice where he is. Maybe out back in the garage is where Jesus would be tonight. That theme of Christ coming in places that we don't expect was tremendously highlighted for my family 
and me when we went to Iceland and Amsterdam this past year. Patty and I were celebrating our 30th anniversary and in Amsterdam we went to museums and we learned about some of the great painters, the Dutch masters. One was a guy named Peter Bruegel and he painted a scene about Christmas Eve. It's called the census at Bethlehem. Now you've got a picture of what that might look like. Christmas Eve in Bethlehem. Well, that picture is not what he painted. That picture in your mind is not what he painted. He painted a Flemish town, just like his own town. It would be like painting Juanita. And that's where Christmas Eve happens. And the scene is filled with activity. It's a winter day. The snow is falling. The trees have no leaves on them. There's ice on the pond and their kids are skating. There's a logger who's got a load of wood. There's a teenage boy talking to a girl. There are chickens looking for little bits of corn. There's a group of people by the inn and there are two people arguing and you realize that it's a tax collector who's pointing to a bill and the taxpayer is arguing about it. And you start realizing, oh, census at Bethlehem, taxes, Caesar, and you start realizing there's a point to this picture and you keep looking and you realize, well, there's a woman on a donkey. It's in the lower left of the painting, barely noticeable. In fact, you don't notice it at first. You have to keep looking at the painting to find Jesus. Do you get my point here? And there she is on the donkey with a man walking by her side. There's nothing in the painting to suggest Christmas. There's one small wreath, that's it, and one tiny little cross. And the painter makes the point that this is not a perfect setting. This is an ordinary setting. And yet, here is where Christ is born. This event that will change history. Whether or not you believe Jesus is the Son of God, that birth changed history forever. And it happened in the most ordinary, innocuous way possible. That is comforting to us telling us that in the midst of the ordinary, in the midst of the traumatic, Christ will be born. It happened in Northern Europe in 1943 when that small group of soldiers in the foxhole decided to cut a branch from a fir tree, just a branch, and they stuck it in the ground and they cut some shreds from a newspaper and they made ornaments for this little tree. And they stuck spent casings from their bullets on the ends of that little Christmas tree. And one of the soldiers opened his Bible and read Luke chapter two. In those days, the decree went out from Caesar Augustus and those old men now remember that Christmas Eve 
as the most holy and special of their lives. They weren't home, but home came to them. Or take the seven families from our church who this Christmas will have an empty chair at their table. They will cry when they remember, when they tell their stories of their past Christmases with their loved one. And then someone will say something funny and they will laugh. It's funny how tears and laughter can be so close together and it becomes holy. It becomes home. We see the presence of the holy in little hidden ways. Two weeks ago, I sat with Harry Hansen, one of our church members. He was in hospice. June was holding his hand. I mean, we weren't talking much. And then a hummingbird came flitting up to the window just outside. There was a little feeder there. And the hummingbird just vibrated and then darted off. It was just before last rites. And after last rites, within an hour, he was gone. And we realized that that little hummingbird was God come to us, in a sense. At least we noticed it. I think God comes to us all the time. We just don't notice. You see, that's the real lesson of Christmas Eve. We yearn for home. We yearn to be somewhere. We yearn for love. We yearn for friendship. We yearn for reconciliation. We yearn for all those things. We yearn for God and we look for God. And yet on Christmas Eve, we learn that God yearns for us. That just as we get homesick, God gets homesick for you, me. That's why God comes, because he wants to be with us. He wants to make his home with us. And so God does come in the back of the garage or the corner of the painting or in that little hummingbird. Tonight, we celebrate at the curtain between this world and the next is not simply thin. It is dissolved. That's what Christmas Eve is about. Merry Christmas to all of you. Amen.
Joy to the World, page eight, please stand. 